0: Episode 1 of the Spiritual Journey Podcast, Holy Listening. Let's start at the very beginning, because it's a very good place to start. Hi there, I'm Chris McGregor and you're listening to the Spiritual Journey Podcast, a production of Discerning Hearts. With a discerning heart and a broken foot, join me as we ascend the mountain, cross the desert and seek to survive the storms and earthquakes and fires, which are a part of the many challenges in our quest in the spiritual life to do whatever he tells us. Oh God, come to my assistance. O oh Lord, make haste to help me. Hello, everyone. I'm Chris McGregor, and I am humbled and blessed to have you with me for this very first episode of the Spiritual Journey podcast. I should let you know right up front, this is not going to necessarily be a systematic approach to the spiritual life. Instead, it's going to be an attempt to share experiences, give you resources, offer insights from not only myself, but also from others on this journey that we're taking into the depths of our hearts to the place where God dwells. Before we begin on the subject at hand, holy listening, I first wanted to give you an idea of what to expect over the episodes to come. It's my hope that we can cover subjects that can be augmented by the material that you can find on Discerning Hearts, might give you kind of a roadmap and particular directions that you might like to go and explore, maybe will help answer some of the questions you have or maybe even affirm where you're going already. But we also want to offer other things, some of the best things that we have found out on the internet, in bookstores, in the annals of spiritual wisdom that have been passed on to us by our brothers and sisters in faith. We're going to cover a lot of topics like prayer, scripture, spiritual warfare, and the different types of spirituality. What is the Benedictine charism, for example? Carmelites, Dominicans, Franciscans, you name it. We're going to possibly touch on all those different things. We're also going to take a look at the heart of scripture and journey together, I hope, on this um, on this quest to help our restless hearts find their home, their true home. So, I'm hoping that you will journey with me in this and in the comment sections of the, the posts that we put up with the podcast, or maybe by using the contact mechanism on discerninghearts.com, or just even emailing us at, okay, get ready for it, be not afraid at discerninghearts.com. I like that. I think that's pretty clever. Be not afraid at discerninghearts.com. You can share with us your thoughts, your questions, what you're seeking. And hopefully, by accompanying each other, we'll get to the place where God is asking us to find him, deep within, at the very core of our being. It's interesting that core is the Latin term for heart. He wants us to find us at the very heart of our being. So let's get started, shall we? This topic of holy listening, which is episode one, will probably actually extend over several episodes because it's going to take us into the heart of Luxio Divina, but I mean in a bigger, grander scale, as opposed to just the uh, programmatic type of resuscitation that it appears out there in a holy attempt, I'm sure, to try to foster holy listening. But there is so much more to cover in this particular area. In this episode, I want to hit on appreciating the presence of God in the Word, capital W. Also, the challenge of truly listening to the voice of God. In the third segment of this podcast, I will be giving you practical helps to be able to get started. And then that should kind of feed you, I hope, until the next episode. So let's begin. Recently, I had the opportunity to study at San Anselmo's, the Benedictine Pontifical College located on the Aventine Hill in Rome. I'm taking a course in spiritual accompaniment. There was a teaching there that was such an aha moment for me that I had to share it with you right off the bat because it it was a paradigm shifter in how I approach everything and so I wanted to pass that on to you now when I talk about aha moments it's those kind of moments when I knew it but I didn't know I knew it how's that and it came at actually the very last class that we were taking father fernando who is an abbot from a Benedictine monastery in Argentina and is now teaching at the Pontifical College. He taught us about the importance of the Psalms and that the Psalms teach us how to listen to God. Now, if you can bear with me, I'm going to give you a little bit of background information. If I I go back and I really admit it, I've had a hard time listening to God. Even though I've been here, I am helming this ministry of outreach called Discerning Hearts, which I've had the opportunity, along with you, to listen to the teachings of some of the great spiritual masters of our day. I mean, whether it's Father Timothy Gallagher, Anthony Lillis, and uh, so many others. You've been there, you've been to the site, you know. I have struggled with trying to just listen deeply and know the voice of God. I'll be honest with you. In the beginning of 2018, I was praying in adoration for the Blessed Sacrament. I was all alone. And I was having a heck of a time trying to focus. Throughout all of 2017, it seemed as though I had experienced some extraordinary spiritual things. And I'm not talking about anything as fancy as locutions or any of that type of stuff, but moments and events in my life that were very grace-filled. I've had some huge challenges that would knock me off the track every now and then. And trying to figure that all out and asking God, what do you want of me? What are you teaching me in this moment? What are you trying to tell me? It 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 was such a struggle. So, of course, I go to adoration. I'm in silence. I'm very blessed. The church is very quiet. And I've got my phone next to me. And it just keeps going off. And it's binging and messages are coming in. And there's something from Facebook. And there's something from Twitter. And there's something from the family and friends. And my phone became the source of the loudest noise in my life. And as I'm sitting there in adoration with this phone, of course I put it on silence. All it did was vibrate then. But then I kept telling myself, oh, no, I can't turn that off. Because what if there's an emergency? What if something happens? What if the website goes down? What are the all what-ifs? So as it's sitting there and it's vibrating away on the wood pew, I cry out to the Lord. I say, How what am I supposed to do? I can't sort through anything. I can't, I don't understand it. All the puzzle pieces aren't coming together. I can't tell me, tell me, tell me. And finally, deep, deep, deep down inside, I hear this voice inside me say, Be quiet. Now listen. <laughs> I'm like, what? Listen, stop talking. No, okay, you have to begin at the very beginning because that's the very best place to start. I heard that, and I thought, okay, that was either the Lord or was that Julie Andrews because she sang that in The Sound of Music, which was my favorite musical. <laughs> and the Lord said, I'm using that. Now listen, you have to start at the very beginning. It's the very best place to start. And immediately my mind went to John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. In the very beginning was the Word. I had this profound, profound, profound sense of the importance of the scriptures. When I went to Creighton University, and my specialty, my study was in liturgy, believe it or not. I had to take a lot of independent studies because they didn't offer, at that time anyway, a liturgical theology component. So with the help of Father Joe Weiss, I was able to tailor some things. But the bottom line was, and the ministry that I did throughout the 90s was all in liturgy. So I've always been very liturgically based, focused in my in my prayer life. Now, why do I say that? Because The sacraments and the sacramental expression has always been it for me. And the scriptures I've always known have been incorporated so richly and fully into the life of the sacraments. The paschal mystery in the heart of the Eucharist, all graces are fueled from the power of that. That comes from the document on the sacred liturgy, which I had to practically memorize back in those days. But one thing I failed to appreciate was the importance of the word. Now, I'm not saying that I didn't love studying the Scriptures. I took plenty of Scripture classes at Creighton. I taught elements of the Scriptures. The Scriptures, the works in the Bible, were very much something I could grasp in my intellect. I understood all the different forms. I understood the varying aspects, the degrees in which we interpret the Scriptures, and and how they can be presented to us. So. Don't get me wrong, I understood in my head the scriptures, but I I never, I don't think I made that connection of its importance as a presence, and I'll elaborate on that. Now, I can't say in that moment, sitting in adoration, hearing the song from The Sound of Music, the Do-Re-Mi song from... from The sound of music that I was hearing it at that moment, that I fully appreciated it. But in that kernel, in that moment, I could also feel this movement of the spirit. I have to say, I really believe it was Jesus speaking to me within the depths of my heart, saying, Take me with you. Take the word with you wherever you go. Take it with you. Anytime you take your phone, take me with you. And I thought. Okay, that sounds good. And he said, no, you're not hearing me. You're not listening. Take me with you wherever you take your phone. Well, I have have the scriptures on my phone. No, that's in the phone next to all the other buttons. I realized the spirit was moving me, was to actually physically carry the scriptures with me, that I needed to carry the word, the vessel, the literal tabernacle that contained the word with me wherever I would go. Now, don't forget, I'm sitting in adoration. I'm sitting before the tabernacle of the blessed sacrament, which I truly believe is the full presence of Jesus right there. Heaven's right there. And I'm praying before the tabernacle, which contains the blessed sacrament. And now I'm being asked, in a very real way, to carry the tabernacle, which carries the word, with me out there. And I sat there in adoration. I thought, oh my gosh, seriously? You're really asking me to do that? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Try it. Just try me in this. I'm really going to carry a Bible with me wherever I go. Okay, it's not enough that I have a crucifix around my neck and I have a rosary around my wrist because if I do this, people I know are going to think I'm crazy. My friends and my family are now going to really think that I'm a religious fanatic, that I'm over the top. But then aren't I supposed to be a fool for Christ? And really, what do I care what other people think? as long as I'm faithful to do whatever he tells me. And so that became a discipline for me. Now, I'm not suggesting that other people do this. I just know that this was something I needed to do. I had to do it. So I went home. I knew I had a smaller Bible and one of those compact ones, uh, and I carried it with me wherever I went. Anytime I took my phone, You know, I I couldn't just put it in my purse. I know this. some people out there, this is what happens when you have a movement of the spirit. I mean, this was for me. This was a conviction on my heart. I couldn't just put it in my purse. I had to physically carry it with my phone because, believe it or not, I don't carry a purse. I've gotten to the point where I could not stand having that bag around my neck that was just like Mary Poppins' bag. Quite honestly, I mean it was like you would open up my old purse and go into it and there was so much stuff. I could go on a trip for a week and I'd be okay because of all the stuff that was in my purse. So I stopped carrying one. I had a clutch, but I made sure it was one that could carry my phone. So, when I have to carry the scriptures with me, I have to make an effort. I carry it with the clutch because it won't fit in there. What I began to realize, which was really sad, is that I was carrying my phone. If it wasn't in the clutch, I was carrying my phone everywhere I went, every room in the house, everywhere I went, the phone went because I had to have that communication, that connection with the world. I couldn't break it. Next to the bedstand before I went to sleep, into the kitchen if I'm cooking food. Even when I'm sitting in a room watching television, I got to have the phone there. If I'm in a group of friends talking, I've got to have my connection. I got to have my fix. I got to have my connection to the world. And so, what Christ is asking me in that moment take me with you wherever you take that phone. Because that phone became an extension and a connection to the world. And that Bible became the connection to him. My communication with the world, for me, for Chris McGregor, I needed to have, at the very least, an equal connection to him. And the way he speaks would speak to me, literally, to bust through all of that, that addiction, was with those words. With him, the creator, the word. I Finally, I ended up getting an Ignatius Press, Revised Standard Version, Catholic Edition, with the Psalms in it, Bible. And at the time, I didn't think so much about the Psalms, but I was glad to have the New Testament because at least it was big enough so I could read it. And it was the Word. The Word contained John, which is my favorite gospel in the New Testament, the Gospel of John. I like the Psalms, but they didn't speak to me like the Gospels and the teachings that come in the entirety of the whole New Testament, quite honestly. so I carry this Bible along with my phone wherever I go. If I go into the kitchen with my phone, the Bible goes with me. And the reason it was so important is that it stopped me gradually from this addiction I had to the greatest distraction I had in my life. And every time I got on there, when I began to look at the news or I began to enter into a conversation on Facebook or this or that, Even in the conversations I would have on the phone with family or friends or whoever, I couldn't help but in the course of the conversation to look over and and there's the Bible. There's the tabernacle of the Word. And I had to watch what I was saying. And sometimes I was convicted in my heart of some of the rotten things, some of the bad things, some of the behaviors that was exhibiting myself from the conversations I was having on my phone. Now, I know this sounds obsessive compulsive to some people, but hey, this is what I prayed. I asked for him to come in and to help me, and this was the solution. I truly believe, and I even spoke about this with my spiritual director, I believe that this is the solution that God presented before me in this moment. I'm not wearing a hair shirt. I'm not wearing anything strange. I'm just carrying a copy of the New Testament with the Psalms around with me wherever I go. That's not so bad. Christ, he, was visually very apparent to me. He was right there. The word was right there. And interiorly, I had to stop myself from saying certain things, from acting certain Ways to going into certain places, I mean you can't really go into a place that serves adult beverages bar and plop down your phone and your Bible and feel good about entering into the kind of conversations that I had been partaking in with others that weren't very holy, not with the presence I mean for me, this Bible I'm carrying. Became the very presence, a tabernacle, the living presence of the Word, capital W, the one that created the heavens and the earth. It made me put the phone aside sometimes. I wasn't carrying it um, with me into every single room of the house. It made me very aware of the omnipresence of God in my life. And it took time. It was a gradual type of thing. And for me, I got to a point where I would begin to walk around with the Bible, with the Word, and I would leave the phone there. I would leave the phone aside. And in the months that have followed this, I found myself getting rid of tons of apps that I thought I had to have, but I don't need it so much anymore. But I found that I cannot live without having the Word with me everywhere. It's not just about a book, but it, it's about God's presence, always willing to communicate to me, always wanting to be heard, always wanting to teach, always wanting to love me through no matter what I was encountering in that moment. I'm not just a Bible Christian. I'm a Word Christian. That's who I am. I'm a Word Christian. The Word. The word we also know is Jesus Christ. He always points me to the Father. I began to listen, and I didn't. I didn't really understand what was going on, until that day. And su- that summer day in Santo Salmos, when Father Fernando from Argentina got up, and said the Psalms do more, so much more than to teach us how to pray. They teach us how to listen, to listen to God, to listen to God the Father. I begin to get it now. Here I had this Ignatius Press Bible that had the word, the New Testament contained within it, but it also had the Psalms the same psalms that Jesus listened to and who would draw from that in every moment, including the moment of his greatest agony. Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But he knew the rest of that psalm too. The psalms have helped me to learn to listen to the Father. We'll return to the spiritual journey in just a moment.
1: If you have been blessed in some way by the spiritual nourishment and teachings offered freely by all those involved with Discerning Hearts programs, please consider a positive review for the various programs on the iTunes and Google Play stores. This is a great way to help the ministry and is an encouragement to others who are seeking the best in spiritual formation to find and check out the programs. Won't you please help? It's an easy way to help give back, and to be a part of the mission. Thank you, and God bless from all at Discerning Hearts. The Memorari. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was
0: it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly to thee, O Virgin of Virgins, my Mother, to Thee do I come, before Thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in Thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. We now return to The Spiritual Journey. Welcome back, everyone. Now, in full disclosure, you should know that both my husband and myself, my husband Bruce and I are oblates of St. Benedict. I cannot tell you what a gift that has been both for him and for me. And St. Benedict in the Holy Rule, which, again, many of you who have been devotees of discerning hearts has been broken open so beautifully by Father Mauritius Vildi, and who just happens to be now the prior at San Anselmo's in Rome. Anyway, he's broken up that holy rule, and again, in the show notes, I'm going to have some links, not only to some of his teachings about the importance of the Psalms and how to pray and to listen, but also to other connections, to some teachings from Father Gallagher. Anyway. St. Benedict in the Holy Rule calls us to order our day around listening with the ear of our heart to the Psalms. Now, why is that important? Well, because it's so much more than just reading something out of a book. When we ponder the sacred scriptures, when we ponder the word, and i use that phrase deliberately because yes it's like the blessed mother pondering the word the action of her son when she ponders those moments that were engaged with the word we too are receiving in a very real way the word in us there's a dynamic about the scriptures that is so different from other types of writings i love the life of St. Teresa of Avila. I cannot get enough of reading the holy works, the life of Ignatius or the writings of St. Elizabeth of the Trinity and so on and so on, Julian of Norwich. Okay, now I'm starting to go down a list of whole bunch, but I love reading that, but that's not sacred. The sacred word is the divine essence in itself communicating to us. Now, De Verbum, the dogmatic constitution on divine revelation, teaches us when we receive the Blessed Sacrament as Catholics, his body and his blood, it is the same when we receive the word through our ears, when we take the sacred scriptures into our hearts. Another dogmatic constitution that came from the Second Vatican Council the one on the sacred liturgy entitled "Sacrosanctum Concilium. It states that Jesus is present, yes, most fully in the Blessed Sacrament. But he is also present not only in the people, by the baptized body of Christ that is present. He's present in the presider, in persona Christi, who lifts up our prayers and our offerings to the Father. And he is present in his word, his presence. Not just a little piece of him, but his full presence. And that presence of the word that you receive is fueled by the Paschal mystery. That's why the lector will say, the word of the Lord. It's capital W in the lectionary. Back in the 1990s, they made that change because prior to that, it would say, this is the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord, capital W, denotes a name. This is an encounter with a person, not a book, not letters off a page. This is the word of the Lord, not thoughts even from an author, but an actual engagement now with the word. So, what you're receiving with the eyes, if you're reading it, or with the ears, if you're hearing it, in your heart, is an actual Encounter with the person of Christ. You are receiving Christ. Ideally, the person, the lector, the deacon, the priest, who is passing on this word, has received it themselves. And now they give it back to you, and they say the word of the Lord. Just as a priest, a deacon, or maybe an EMHC will say, the body of Christ. During the liturgy of the word, we will be receiving a communication, a communion with him through the word, capital W, the person into our own hearts, into our own particular situation. And this will be another conversation for another, the spiritual journey episodes. But the reason I bring that up now So that when you pray the Psalms, I have come to understand. And you do that through each moment of the day. You make the physical discipline to hear God speak to us in all different circumstances. It's not as though you read the Psalms and you're hearing the psalmist write about his situation. No, the paradigm, if you can, is to shift it. And to hear this is what God wanted communicated to you, that the Holy Spirit, who is outside of time, because God is in Kiros, outside of time, and not on Kronos, where we live. That's another talk for another spiritual journey. But the Holy Spirit has the same unifying voice, the same calling, drawing us all to the Father. So that's the Holy Spirit is communicating the Father's teaching, the listening. We listen to him throughout the entire day. You're practicing listening. You come to know his voice every portion of the day through all the circumstances of your life. So you begin to hear him and listen to him and recognize his voice. My biggest problem is that, and I'm going to just be honest with you, I love the sound of my own voice. I didn't speak until I was almost two years old, but I once I did, my mother always said that was the biggest mistake was teaching me how to talk. However, that has to be silenced. I mean, I, I'm as guilty as the next person. The biggest danger that anybody has, especially in media and in Catholic media, at any time, is that you fall in love with the sound of your own voice shut that off. That's secondary. First, you listen to God. What could be more beautiful? What can be more nurturing than to be able to hear him, than to be able to listen to him? Why is that even more important? Because we know the church teaches us that God is present in his creation. We know that He, he created the heavens and the earth we see that when we go outside we see that in the in the stars in the air in the sun and all that god's present there because he created that the creator has his presence in creation we also know that he is the author of life he created life so all the creatures that's the next level all the creatures of the earth all the as it says in Genesis, all the, the crawling, creeping things, all of those things, the birds of the air, the, the animals that are, are on the, that roam the earth. He's present because he's the author of life. And so he created those. And so that's the next level. He's in life. He's there in that, in the plants in everything. So we recognize that he's present there. And then he created us. We were created in his image, in the image of a creator. So we have an intellect, even though it's darkened, even though it's not perfect, we were created in his image. He's in all those things. So if you've learned to listen to him in this training ground, which is the Psalms, which is the scriptures, and listen to him in his communion with us, we learned his voice. We learn what God sounds like. So when we go out in creation, that's why the Franciscan will go out and he'll see brother sun, sister moon. He sees God in all these things and the creatures of the earth, as does the Benedictines, as the all truly holy people, I think. You go out and you, and you begin to hear him, and then, then you, you see the animals. You're supposed to be good stewards to the creatures. You don't, you're not cruel. You don't, you're not brutal. Because that's a God's creation. You tend, you're a steward of the earth. And then you go out and you begin to encounter him in the beings that were created in his image. And you begin to hear him and see him. And for those of you who are baptized Christians, he dwells within you. So, you begin to hear him in your brothers and sisters. You know, there's a, a wonderful action that the Benedictines have that when you encounter your brother or sister, you bow to them. It may just be a subtle head bow, because God dwells in them. Some of you may think, "Well, I don't." You may not be at that point where you really even truly believe that God dwells inside of you. I had somebody tell me that once. Uh, oh, he's not inside me. That's, God doesn't dwell there. Somehow we think he's out there, that we have to go out and encounter him out there somewhere. But the scariest place, and probably the place where we least want to go, is the fact inside of us, because that's where he dwells. I was reading the officer readings the other day, and this just jumped out at me. It was St. Paul, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5 says examine yourselves to make sure you are in the faith test yourselves he says do you acknowledge that jesus christ is really in you that's not chris mcgregor asking you that's saint paul do you acknowledge that jesus christ is really in you if not saint paul says You have failed the test. Jesus will tell us, particularly in the Gospel of John, the night before he would die, over and over again, that he is in us, and that he and the Father are one, and where he is, the Father is. So if Jesus is in us, the Father is in us too. And where they are, so is the Spirit. And where the Trinity is, the St. Elizabeth the Trinity, so has beautifully taught us on discerninghearts.com, where the Trinity dwells, there is heaven. All of heaven is in us. There is a time for us to be talking to God. But better, we first begin to acknowledge his presence and just listen to him. We'll return to the spiritual journey in just a moment. A Prayer of St. Ignatius of Loyola
1: Take, Lord, and receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding, and my entire will, all that I have and call my own. You have given all to me. To you, Lord, I return it. Everything is yours. Do with it what you will. Give me only your love and your grace. That is enough for me. Amen.
0: Did you know that you can obtain a free app which contains all your favorite Discerning Hearts programs? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Archbishop George Lucas... We now return to The Spiritual Journey. In this final, shorter segment, because we went long in the beginning, we're going to practice a little bit of what we just talked about. As we proceed forward in The Spiritual Journey, you should know that there are two versions of the Bible that are particularly I love. They're the ones that I hold very close. The Revised Standard Version, the Second Catholic Edition, I think is the most scholarly, that's what I am told um, by those who I trust. And you should know as a as a Catholic, I always make sure that whatever translation I use has been approved by those scholars commissioned by my church, my faith community as worthy of being able to do those translations. So, the revised standard version, the second Catholic edition, just for me the one I love. Also, the Jerusalem Bible. Now, that is the Bible that, oh, I love the Jerusalem Bible. I go to that when I am called to pray the Psalms, and I will go back in its notes and its connections. There's so many things that I just love. It's the one that Mother Angelica, you would see, use. During her program, she'd have this big, beautiful Bible that she held, and it was a copy of the Jerusalem Bible. Again, because it's been approved by the Catholic Church, for me, that's enough. I'll I'll use that. For you, there might be other versions of the Bible out there that have been accurately translated and approved that you enjoy more, that speak to you more. And if you choose to use those, great. I'm just letting you know that as you listen to different readings here, they'll either be from the Revised Standard Version, Catholic Edition, or it will be from the Jerusalem Bible. As I said, we should go back to the very beginning because it's a very good place to start. Let's go to Psalm 1 and just listen to this, just for a moment to listen to this beautiful psalm.
1: Happy the man who never follows the advice of the wicked or loiters on the way that sinners take or sits about with scoffers, but finds his pleasure in the law of Yahweh and murmurs his law day and night. He is like a tree that is planted by water streams, yielding its fruit in season, its leaves never fading. It is nothing like this with the wicked, nothing like this. No, these are like chaff blown away by the wind. The wicked will not stand firm when judgment comes, nor sinners when the virtuous assemble. For Yahweh takes care of the way the virtuous go, but the way of the wicked is doomed.
0: Okay, now when you listen to that, what do you hear the Father say? What does he say? Happy is the man who never follows the advice of the wicked, who doesn't loiter in the ways of sinners, who doesn't sit with scoffers, but he delights in the Lord. He delights being with God. You will be blessed. Don't walk in the ways of the wicked. Don't loiter. Don't hang out. Don't be with the sinners. Stay with me. Be with me. If you do, you'll be like a tree. Walk in the way of the Lord and who murmurs his law day and night. That's from the Jerusalem Bible translation. He murmurs his law day and night. Murmuring makes it bubble up to the surface and it comes out of you. You're just always saying it. The Father, imagine the Father saying to you, if you do that, you're like a tree planted by streams of water. I mean, how wonderful is that? If you're a tree and you're by a stream, your roots will never go dry. You'll never be thirsty. You'll never be in need. He will plant you. You'll be firm. That yields its fruit in its season. Everything will happen in its time. That's the beauty of this whole the bearing of the fruit. You can't make a tree or a plant or anything. Bear fruit. You can set up the right conditions. You can give it light. You can give it soil. You can do give it water. You can do all the things you need to. But ultimately, whatever fruit is going to be born out of that plant, it's an outgrowth of a process, a transformation that happens deep within the plant. And every fruit is different. An apple all looks like an apple, but when you look at them all closely, they all look different. So are the things that happen within us. It's not something that we can make happen, only He can do it. We open ourselves up, and then ultimately, anything that's truly good is through Him, with Him, and in Him. And He in us, and that fruit flows out of us, and we can't make it happen. We can't. But God can do incredible things if we allow Him, the Father, if we allow ourselves to be planted and loved and nurtured and fed and cared for by Him, and you avoid all these other things, the fruit that will come out of you will be the fruit that He has nurtured out of us. You can't make it happen. Think about that. You can't make yourself bear fruit. You can do a lot of good things. But just as Catherine of Siena would say, it may not be a wholly good thing. I'm sure you've seen that in your own life. There are a lot of people that run around and do things they think are good, and the damage and the fruit that comes out of it is not so good. In all that he does, he prospers. Now, the Father's not talking about the prosperity gospel. Listen, the Father is saying, in all that you will do, you will prosper. You will do the will of God. It will be a holy and a righteous goodness. It will be blessed. And don't forget, he never said blessed is the rich. He said blessed is the poor. Blessed is the meek. Blessed is the one who's kind, who's humble, the one who lives a virtuous life. And the Father says to us, the wicked are not so, but are like chaff, which the wind drives away. That's in the Revised Standard Version. Drives away. The wind drives it away. Jerusalem Bible blows it away like a house when a tornado comes. Maybe it's like, sometimes we think it's like a a leaf being blown by the wind. I've always seen this as living in Tornado Alley in the Midwest. When the wind comes to drive it away, it's like a tornado when there's not much left. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment. The sinners, when the virtuous assemble, they can't stand being surrounded. I'm reminded of the life of St. Lawrence when the emperor told him to bring him the riches of the church. And he brought the poor, all the poor of the city and surrounded that emperor. The legacy of that emperor, I can't even tell you what his name was. But when you go to Rome, everywhere around Rome, Lawrence is remembered. Lawrence could stand and still does stand in the assembly of the virtuous. That emperor, he's dust. Who remembers him? No one remembers his name. For the Lord knows the way of the virtuous. The way of the wicked is doomed. That's from the Jerusalem Bible translation. Doomed. That's bad.
1: Happy the man who never follows the advice of the wicked, or loiters on the way that sinners take, or sits about with scoffers, but finds his pleasure in the law of Yahweh, and murmurs his law day and night. He is like a tree that is planted by water streams, yielding its fruit in season, its leaves never fading. It is nothing like this with the wicked, nothing like this. No, these are like chaff blown away by the wind. The wicked will not stand firm when judgment comes, nor sinners when the virtuous assemble. For Yahweh takes care of the way the virtuous go, but the way of the wicked is doomed.
0: He will take care of the virtuous. He'll take care of you. Just trust him. Just trust him. Wow, powerful, powerful. What do you hear the Father saying to you? The spiritual journey is the one that we are all undertaking. We're questing to understand who, what, where. How? Why? The one I didn't put in there was when. That answer has been given. When? The answer is right now. In this present moment, right now. He is present, and he wants to lead you home. Just like for Odysseus, our odyssey home begins Right now, right now. So let's go. In our next episode of The Spiritual Journey, we'll continue questing to acquire the disposition of holy listening. I have links for you in the show notes, including those from a podcast with Father Gallagher that we had on praying with the Psalms, uh, one with Father Mauritius Fildi. I highly recommend you get a Bible one that you can physically hold and not one that's just an app on your phone. I have both or whatever, but just spend some time in the Word. Spend some time with the Psalms. Spend some time with Psalm 1 and Psalm 2. My personal favorite Psalm is Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. The key is find a Psalm that speaks to your heart and stay with it for a while, rest with it for a while. I know there are folks who will jump into the scriptures and they'll try to do each mass reading each day, but then just consider this. Maybe that's not giving you a chance to let it penetrate your heart. Yes, you can penetrate your mind and you get the sense of the context of the scripture, but now it's time to let that context, make that journey from your head to your heart. So sit with that word for a while. Maybe a couple days. One that is my go-to is the Gospel of John, chapter 1, 1 through 18. Ponder that one. Chew on it. Ruminate with it. Do all those things that Sister Ann Shields tells us to do. Just sit with it. Or maybe it's Romans, chapter 8, 1 through 14. Wow. Ponder that one. Just Take some time with those scriptures and listen. Now, not everything on your phone is bad. There is a particular app that I absolutely love. It's Universalis. It's done out of England. And the person who has put it together has given an audio version of the Psalms that I think is exquisite. It's plain. It's simple. It's one man's voice. And it gives you a plethora of options as far as versions you can listen to. They're very much a help. I've tried using the Liturgy of the Hours, the books, and I can't keep all the ribbons straight. If you're one of those who are gifted to be able to do it, well, hallelujah, you're talented. Because I can't do it. Or maybe I'm just dumb, but I can't do it. Very well, anyway. Also, I'd get a copy of the Magnificat whether online or a physical version. It's an absolutely tremendous resource. Well, this is the conclusion of our first episode of The Spiritual Journey. I hope that this has been helpful for you. I want to hear from you. Please email me at benotafraid@discerninghearts.com at com. That's afraid at com. and continue, please, to access the discerninghearts.com website and the app and so many other resources we have available to you so that you can listen to the spiritual masters of the spiritual journey that we're all on. God bless you all, and I pray right now that the Father bestow upon you the blessing of knowing his presence more fully right now, today. Amen. I cannot wait to be with you again as we continue on this spiritual journey.